0: Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so glad you're here with us, and I'm thankful to be your host, praying God's richest blessings on you in the name of Jesus. We're on PatternsofEvidence.com. Fascinating article. Really like this website. I suggest you go to it periodically. And it's Footprint Evidence of the Israelites. So let's get started. And again, thanks for being with us. Check out our other Podcast There's great debate among archaeologists today as where well the first Israelites gradually emerged from the local Canaanite population, whether they infiltrated the region from the east or whether they might have been a combination of infiltration punctuated by conquest of Canaanite cities. Very few would endorse the Bible's account of a massive and sudden Israelite conquest of Canaan from across the Jordan River, of course, I would, under the leadership of Joshua after forty years in the wilderness. The discoveries of several large footstep shaped enclosures, along with numerous unusual settlements in the area north of Jericho, are adding intriguing aspect to the debate. Now there's a guy on Don Patton is his name. I couldn't remember it the other day. And he's got a couple really good videos on biblical archaeology and the Holy Land and also creation science. And he brought this out at least in one place. But let's keep going. At the end of August, Heretz magazine, that's a Israeli magazine pretty popular, ran an article entitled, Is This Where the Israelites Camped on Their Way to Canaan thirty two hundred years ago? The article features the first excuse me the excavation at the unique ruins of Kurbet El Matzara, which could loosely be translated as hidden ruins. Located five miles north of the Dead Sea, it's very close to where they crossed over, because Jericho is right across the, the way. The sign is located in the lowlands of the Jordan Valley, an inhospitable area below sea level. It is one of the hottest places on Earth. the rainfall amounts to about six inches. I think that's more than I thought. In summer, temperatures often reach over 110 degrees Fahrenheit. My friends in Rio, Linda, are suffering that now. I'm doing this podcast September 4th, I think it is, <laughs> and we just do it ahead. The site was discovered during the Manassas Hill Country survey directed by the late Professor Adams Tall. Now, he is the one that found Joshua's altar and became some type of Christian after being an atheist of Hoffa University for 38 seasons, continually from 1978 until his death in 2015. The survey covered a 1,000 square miles of western Jordan Valley, where Zertal found signs of thousands of archaeological sites. Now, that's the deal. is There's thousands of places in the ancient Near East that have yet to be uh, uncovered. Among the finds were several footprint-shaped enclosures in some 70 settlements, including Kerbet el mastara that he dated to the early part of the Iron Age, about 1200 B.C., under the standard dating. Because this was the approximate time of biblical conquest, when using the predominant Ramsey's Exodus theories, Ertal proposed that these were early Israelite structures during their gradual infiltration, in his view of Canaan. Today, Zertal's work is being carried on by Professors David Ben Shlomo of Ariel University and Ralph K. Hawkins of Everett University, Virginia. Kerbet el Mastara is the first of Zertal's sites they're excavating. According to the Heretz article, there are several mysteries surrounding the location. The first major question is why this two-and-a-half-acre settlement was built more than a mile from the nearest water source, highly unusual in the ancient world. In an area of such extreme climate, another challenge is the fact that there were no signs of human habitation within the structures of the settlement except grain-grinding st- uh, stones. This, along with a handful of pottery shards found outside the structures, make the site difficult. Maybe somebody came by a thousand years later and left them there, Blin Schlomo points out in the Heretz article. Fascinating photographs here, too. In the infiltration model, the secluded location of Kerbat el-Mastara hidden between the folds of hills far from reliable water sources might make sense for a hamlet of semi-nomadic Israelites. Pretty neat still seeing shepherds and nomads over there, Bedouins. As recent arrivals, they could have stayed here for a few years while trying to stay out of sight of antagonistic neighbors, building strength to continue their gradual push into Canaan. The article shares the archaeologist's suspicion that structures may not actually be houses were tin used to shelter livestock. Today, some Bedouins continue to make stone structures to protect their livestock. More spectacular was a tall find of a half dozen Israelite footprints in the Jordan Valley region that dated to the same Iron One period, according to an article in Biblical Archaeology Review. Good, it's a little liberal for my taste, that's me, and uh, I'm more like a biblical literalist. These footprints for sandal prints vary in size from three acres at Bedet-esh-Shayab, 816 feet long and 228 feet wide at El Unuk, larger than two football fields. Zertal gave the name Gilgalim to these enigmatic footprint structures after the name Gilgal, the Israelite gathering place mentioned in the Bible during and after the conquest, which he believes the biblical text Indicates were in multiple geographic locations. Footprint structures appear to have been dug into the landscape, not simply stones piled on the existing surface. He believes they had cultic or religious purposes. One of Zertol's footprint sites was in Mount Ebel, near Biblical Shechem, which he also uncovered what appeared to be a large sacrificial altar. The altar seems to had two stages of use, and he dated its construction around 1200 B.C. And I'm more of the 1400-plus B.C. exodus. The footprints have also been the source of great controversy, Were they used as huge animal pens, or were they, as are told, proposed places of Israelite worship. The article in Barr notes that Hawkins doubts they were merely animal pens because of their large size and high-quality construction. He concludes these sites are unique and appear to have been built by semi-nomads, Israelites who had pottery repertoire similar to that of a new population group that entered Canaan from the east during the Iron Age. Two boys, more good photos here. In an effort to learn about such sites, the debate surrounding them, filmmaker Timothy Mahoney has attempted to visit potential biblical locations personally and talk with archaeologists in charge of the excavations when possible. Although it's no longer possible to meet with Professor Zertal, Mahoney did visit the site in one of the footprint structures at Argamond this past summer, about 25 miles north of the Dead Sea. And he interviewed Aaron Lipkin, who worked to share uh, Zertal's ideas. Lipkin highlighted several intriguing features of the site that included a double wall around much of the enclosure's perimeter, which would have allowed several people to walk side by side between the low walls. There's a second enclosure in the middle of the foot where he believes a tabernacle was placed, the Israelites marching around the holy space of the entire structure. He also pointed to Deuteronomy 11.24 that speaks about the Israelites possessing every place in Canaan where the solar feet would tread. Could this concept be the basis for these unique structures? Now, I'm going to skip over some things. As seen in Pattern of Evidence, the Exodus, this negative conclusion about the conquest, is largely based on dating the Exodus time of Pharaoh Ramses II. Around the time of Ramses, there's no evidence for major problems in Egypt. So, that would not be uh, biblical. Boy, some more great photos. What if the Bible's version of history is accurate, the big picture view of things, as well as in the details? That means mean the common assumptions which historical context, the Exodus, belongs to are wrong one puts the exodus in a historical period that is centuries earlier than ramses i do a remarkable pattern of evidence matching the bible's account emerges these more ancient events wouldn't just be inspiration and seedbed for what would later be the legends found in the bible they would be direct evidence of the biblical events themselves So what's the most youthful way to think about these intriguing structures found in the Jordan Valley? So the thing is, these are just massive footprints, kind of like the Nazca Lines, but showing footprints every place the foot is going to be there. And I'm skipping over a whole lot. Looking at just the two most significant steps of the biblical sequence, there's no collapse of Egypt that would have resulted from a biblical exodus anywhere near 1250 B.C., and there's no evidence of destruction of Jericho within centuries of 1210 B.C., 40 years after the Exodus. If it can be determined, these structures definitely pertain to around 1200 B.C., and if the Bible is accurate, then they couldn't be from the time of the Bible's conquest. They wouldn't fit the pattern. So, absolutely fantastic, incredible find here. And, you know, I think, and Don Pat and others that this is the footprints that because there's really no other explanation and uh, so they built giant shoes like every place the sole of our feet we're going to possess Satan's going to be bruised under our feet shortly I know it doesn't apply to this specifically but uh, in a future uh, event well it was in Romans 16 so God bless. Thanks for being with us. This is just an amazing, an amazing find in my estimation and uh, something you should seriously consider. And we'll talk with you later. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and uh, leave us a five-star if you really helps people find us. So God bless. Bye-bye.